0: Welcome to Screen Talk, IndieWire's weekly podcast. I'm Eric Cohn, the deputy editor and chief film critic, joined uh, as always by Ann Thompson, who now has a different title. In, in the past, I've, I've said that I've been joined by Ann Thompson from Thompson on Hollywood, which still exists. But you are also now officially IndieWire's editor at large, which I'm so thrilled to announce and uh, welcome you to the role. How's it going so far?
1: Really good. I mean, technically, I always, I have been editor at large for a really long time, uh, but sort of. Part-time, you know, working with you guys uh, while I ran the blog, but now I'm full-time on staff uh, as a salaried employee of IndieWire and Penske Media, and I'm going to go to the new offices in Santa Monica when I get back from... South by, I'm in Austin. I am here ahead of you for a change. You,
0: you beat me down there. I'm so jealous because usually I like to get there and kind of get settled. But I, I teach on Friday mornings. I was in LA and needed to kind of rev my engines. I have seen a lot of movies that are at South by Southwest already. I'm not at liberty to talk about them in too much detail yet. But it's looking like a good year. But um, the other thing to so think about. So are we about...
1: allowed to talk about the Richard Linkletter movie?
0: Well, we could say that we've seen it, <laughs> and so, uh, so
1: when is when? So we're not really allowed to talk about it until it shows at South by. It's premiering at South by,
0: right? So Richard Linklater's Everybody Wants Some is opening the festival on Friday night, uh, among many other screenings. So opening night is uh, film is kind of a loose term in that respect. But uh, needless to say, we liked it. So. That much we can get away with saying.
1: Yes, I'm going to I'm going to talk to Richard uh, here. He's obviously based in Austin, so this is his home turf, and he's opened many films at South by Southwest in the past. And uh, what's fun about this is that it, I'm, I'm not going to review it now. I'm just going to say that it's a, a, a sort of a loose sequel to, uh, if not a sequel to, uh, Dazed and Confused. And I got in last night pretty late from New York, and what did I do? I watched Dazed and Confused, you know, (laughs) just to sort of, you know, remind myself. How does it hold up? It holds up really well, actually. Yeah, really well.
0: Um, his movies tend to. I mean, I, I rewatched Slacker maybe a year or two ago, which I also picked up a little bit of Slacker and Everybody Wants Some. And these movies that are just sort of fun, kind of free flowing, ca- encapsulating a culture. You know, dudes talking philosophy and, and that sort of thing. It's it's like his own self made genre, and it, it is sort of timeless in a way the, the appeal of something like that.
1: Although this is squarely set, you know, exactly four years after, uh, the, the, the high school seniors and the, and their, there there is a group of kids who are baseball players in in this who who could be the the grown up kid you know versions of uh, there's a, it's it's a baseball team you know so so anyway we 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 shall we shall t- dig into this in more more detail but he basically takes the same aesthetic uh from from Dazed and Confused i was just sort of curious to see if it was exactly the same and it is
0: yeah, and it's definitely something worth looking at also in the context of South by Southwest because Linklater really made the Austin film scene and to see him still out there doing stuff that feels in tune with what he was doing in those earlier days says something about sort of the nature of that community and also what that festival is supposed to represent, which is...
1: And also he basically, um, So he, he actually... Um, Wanted to make this movie for a really long time. Had a great deal of difficulty getting it made, and it was basically post boyhood that he was able to do it.
0: Yeah, and and notably, it was financed by Megan Ellison from Annapurna, but it's being released by Paramount. So technically, it is sort of a studio movie, even though it doesn't have big well, stars. They,
1: they have a relationship, you know, with him. But but that, that I find I do find that interesting because um, they're taking it out, kind of. Um, on a small scale, when when uh, you know, I, which I think is probably the right thing to do. I think it probably needs to build word of mouth. But um, Paramount happens to be one of the few studios, along uh, with Warner Brothers, that actually has some ability to uh, maneuver at both ends of the uh, limited and wide release spectrum.
0: And South by Southwest tends to be a filter for studios for certain, with certain kinds of movies that they need to work for that kind of kind of almost. Raucous, you know, fun, certainly youthful sensibility. I mean, that you have New Line premiering Keanu there in a midnight slot, which, you know, that movie is sort of a foregone conclusion that it's going gonna, it's gonna to be, you know, hilarious because people are cracking up over that trailer. And if they give it the right con- context at a festival like that, it's going to be sort of almost like free marketing. A that's a
1: typical level. South by movie, You're yeah. absolutely. And then correct.
0: Sausage Factory, the the R-rated Seth Rogen Evan Goldberg animated movie, is another one that's coming the next day. So it's it's
1: uh, yeah, these are right in the wheelhouse of, of what of what you would expect. Um, what else are you looking forward to?
0: Well, it's it's a really interesting year in that respect. There, there's nothing that I've picked up on yet that seems to me like it's going to be the discovery this year. But at South by Southwest, that's often the case. I didn't know going in last year that the ultimate winner, this, this movie, Carisha, um, would would end up being such a powerful drama with this real kind of woman under the influence Cassavetti's vibe and that it would. go. It's going, coming out
1: you know, right now.
0: It's coming out soon and the filmmaker's are already making another movie. And, you know, things move fast from that point forward. But the day of the awards... I remember hearing Buzz that this movie might win big, you know, and it did win the grand jury prize, and so I rushed to a screening of it and I was just sort of like, "Who is this person I mean I hadn't seen the short film it was based on, so there there was a little bit of context there, but it's still this is a festival that is by and large not a place where you go to see, you know, some of the heavy hitters bringing their latest achievement. It really is more a place where you have to sift around a little bit and be surprised about things, which makes the job more interesting. It can also be a lot harder because... So there's
1: some um, there's some returning alumni, people like Ty West sure. uh, coming back. Um, I'm going to be... Um, Covering the Gayle Ann Heard keynote because, of course, there's the interactive and Obama is coming on Friday. And I've actually applied to the White House for credentials to cover the Obama keynote, which which is uh, an, an, a first for me. Uh, it's it's sort of a lottery. God knows if I'm going to get in. On that.
0: <laughs> Rising up in the world, but it's actually kind of funny because the the whole thing with Obama going to South by Southwest is is uh, you know it dominates the headlines in a way that you know in, on the one hand can be perceived as a negative development for the entertainment or the culture side of South by Southwest because it, it it hijacks a lot of the attention to some of the other things that tend to be talked about there. You know, and it, I I doubt that Obama is eager to see some of the movies in the lineup. You know, I mean, it's there. There's a disconnect on some level between sort of the the tendency for South by to go big and the the role that smaller things can play in in the in that gathering. But at the same time, you get a more complete. Picture of the way that entertainment, media, and culture are evolving. To have these kinds of heavy, heavy hitters there on the same level, on some in some ways, as these other things that are happening, because you can pick and choose, you know, what you want to do at any given point in time. Do you want to see a small movie? Do you want to go to a big keynote? All these different panels. I mean, do you think? I've been going to South by now for ten years, and and I've noticed that the film festival seems smaller always. than ever. But do you? It always think,
1: seems smaller, and it always seems as though. Um, you know what it is? I think I think there's a certain aspect of the movie business which is th- that you know that John Pearson picked up on years ago, which which is you know when we were talking about Sundance. I mean, if you think about the way Linkletter and Slackers emerged at Sundance, and and Kevin Smith, and and any number of of filmmakers, you have a you have a situation where it's all about these emerging talents who are telling young people's stories uh krisha being a, a a very distinct exception to that um and and sometimes you know there's only going to be a, a certain number of those movies that rise above the rest and and on some level uh sundance gets first crack at a lot of the best stuff that's available some of the, some of it isn't finished in time that South by Southwest gets for first crack at those films. But, you know, by the time you get to Tribeca and San Francisco, they're actually not able to really get the best of the best unless they're willing to show stuff that have been uh, seen at other festivals, which, in fact, they are.
0: This, this uh, focus on world premieres I've always found to be a bit frustrating. I mean, in the fall season, you, you we've talked before about that whole kind of kerfuffle between Telluride and Toronto, which has a major effect on certain fall season releases and ultimately Oscar campaigns. But the movies that are affected at this time of year by those tendencies – don't seem to be necessarily worth that kind of investment. Not because they're not good, but because in terms of strategy, I mean, you should just be showing great movies. And there's plenty of different ways from a curatorial perspective you can show great movies that have surfaced at one or two other festivals. I think what's interesting about South By is that if you look at the narrative and documentary competitions, uh, those are world premieres, and those are movies that don't have distribution, and they're not traditional movies that the other festivals would chase after for world premieres. I mean, you have something like Collective Unconscious in the narrative uh, competition, which is an anthology film uh, involving hypnosis and dreams, and, and it's, it's very high concept, but it feels like something that this more kind of Filmmaker friendly environment in some ways is going to be responsive to in a way that they might not be at other festivals. And so those sort of things seem like where South by Southwest tends to be more beneficial in some ways.
1: Yeah, I mean another one that I'm looking forward to is the world premiere of Don't Think Twice um with Ira Glass, uh, Mike Mark Mike, Mike from Ira Glass and Mike Berbiglia, you know that team. Um and I'm I'm sort of curious to see, you know, what they've done uh this time. Um and that's more of the thinking man's indie uh film kind of scenario as opposed to, you know, some something more more broad uh, like the 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 different tv series that are going to be shown here um which i'm i'm I'm, i don't know i don't know if i'm totally uh we'll see you know the hunter's prey or whatever these things are preacher uh you know there's all these things to look to look for and i'm not sure what they're going to be
0: well you mentioned preacher that's a tv show and there's five shows being showcased at south by southwest this year and uh one of the things that that has been really unique in the last past, you know, the last year or so. Is that different festivals have tried showcasing TV in, in various ways? Toronto did a big push on TV this the past fall for the first
1: time. Yeah, yeah. for the
0: first time. South by has been doing their, their, for their a TV while section for a while. But they it,
1: started with Lena Dunham because yeah. she was one of their own.
0: Yeah, exactly. Because she had had a Debuting few Debuting Girls. There. Exactly. So now you've got this section that's showcasing things like Preacher, which. Seth Rogen is involved with, and it more than ever before, it does seem like there is some kind of overlap. At the same time, there's a lot more films at this festival than there are TV. And what I think is notable about that is that TV requires a much more sort of extreme curatorial eye in some ways. And so if this is not a great year for your, The TV section in South by that may say something in general about kind of where TV's at. Versus if if these five shows are all really great, I think it will give us a a real sense of you know. You
1: know, I don't think these shows represent the best of TV by any means. I mean, at the beginning, I think uh, Jana Pearson was 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 saying, "Okay, we 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 can claim." Lena Dunham is one of our own. And when it took off and was hugely successful, this HBO debut of the first three episodes of Girls, then they started looking at more. But actually, I think what's happening now is that the TV... People are 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 looking at South by as a way of marketing their shows. They're looking at the demographic, the younger hipper demographic that's here, and all of these series that are showing have that stamp of a sort of 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 that kind of of hip young South by sensibility. They, yeah, they, that's I, what I'm saying. They, they don't mean, represent the rest of the world of TV. But really. I think
0: that they may represent some of the better examples in, in in an ideal scenario. I'm not saying that they're actually good, but I do think that the kind of TV that's Trying to appeal to those sensibilities is more likely to have a leg up on some of the dramas that are trying to, you know, be the next Mad Men, for example. And there, there's a lot of repetition out there. In this lineup, I'm seeing things that are trying to be edgier, and the medium obviously needs to be shaken up a little bit. And so, you know, one of the things that's, that's concerning on some level about the the golden age of TV, is, as we call it, is that like studio tentpoles that are successful, that it te- you tend to see cookie cutter formula a lot of times and on some level i think or, TV see, a tv series out.
1: could start off really well and be super interesting and then after the pilot where they spent millions of dollars it goes downhill right. you know this, this is my uh, frequent experience although yeah. i have to say i loved binging on this isn't going to be this has nothing to do with south by i loved binging on house of cards over the weekend i saw 8 episodes. It was crazy.
0: Well, speaking of binge viewing, I mean, one of the things that's sort of, you know, the elephant in the room at film festivals now is just the whole idea of going to an environment to watch things when you can just watch them at home is, is, you know, a bit of a dated concept to a lot of people. And film festivals are a nice reminder of the communal element, but I do notice that the industry presence at South by is not something that you really get. Um, no. a lot of people watch things. There's no remotely. acquisitions
1: here. It really does. I mean, there are a few people: submarine, Josh, and, and Dan Braun are here, and they have some films to sell. But, but because they have a lot of docs that they that they look at, and there is a doc presence here. But I, I agree with you. This is not an acquisitions festival.
0: And things will sell. I mean, the, there are plenty of movies that have not been picked up yet. And you know, there's a documentary called Beware the Slender Man that HBO picked up in advance of the festival. And uh, Netflix has already made some acquisitions, of course, and you can expect those things to happen, but there, there's something about the way in which South By is designed that it doesn't really open itself up to the industry element the way that, say, Sundance is sort of bringing all those people together. I mean, it, it seems like it's much more catered to the this sort of creative class, you know, if you will, which is…
1: But basically, what happens is that the agencies, basically, having gone to Sundance, where they do an enormous amount of talent scouting and the casting agents and so forth do it too. I think what happens at South by is that there's usually one or two movies that break out, new talent that break out, you know, whatever year's version of Aaron Katz or, or, or. David Lowry or, or Amy Simons or whoever it is. And then they catch up with them when they, you know, after they read what we write, that's, that's, mm-hmm. it's our job to tell them what's going on.
0: Mm-hmm. So in the meantime, there's also all these panels. So it's like if if you feel like you you need to take a break from a screening room, you can listen to somebody pontificate on something. And um, South by Southwest, (laughs) I mean it's they really (laughs) elevate the idea.
1: You don't have to come. (laughs) (laughs) I'm the moderator, so I won't be pontificating. Well, why don't you
0: tell us about the one that you're you're doing? Oh,
1: it's about shorts, Uh, and it's it's such an interesting business because it's and I'm learning about it too. you know because it's basically with the new multimedia universe and the mobile universe and everything else everybody's figured out that there's a big market now not only for using shorts as a audition for you know new talent and maybe turning it into a feature if it hits with with people but also um i i've, I've been very impressed with the new yorker presents and kahani cooperman is on this panel and she she and some of her filmmakers will be there and and so she's been putting all sorts of different kinds of shorts together uh for that Amazon series, I think
0: the the short film question is is maybe one that doesn't get discussed enough because more than ever before, you could actually make a living making short films. Right. I mean, it seems Which like, didn't
1: used to be true. Right.
0: Yeah. It was just sort of a starting point, and then you could get some gig doing something on the basis of it to prove yourself. But uh, maybe there are some bigger questions also involving. You know, how much money can somebody actually make if you get your short film on iTunes or Vimeo or things like that?
1: I would like to know the answers. So uh, for me, I like doing these panels, especially when it's a new uh, arena that I am not well versed in. And I can just ask genuine questions to find out what the answers are. It helps me.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I mean, I, I did a, a panel two years ago with um, the folks from High Maintenance when they were beaming about their success with Vimeo and, and how they had started this web series that gradually gained momentum independently, and then Vimeo invested in them. And then all of a sudden, they signed with HBO. So seeing how those pieces come together is always real, really crucial to understanding kind of how entertainment itself is evolving. So, you know, in that respect... Being on the ground at South by and just kind of talking to people and running into people and seeing on the badge, like, oh, you work at this startup with a really weird name I've never heard of. And then you have a conversation and maybe they're full of it. That's what it's but,
1: all about. Yeah. I remember learning about something. Foursquare for the first time Four when Square, I came yeah. here. I remember and even Twitter. on Twitter. I know. On the plane last night, I was, I was sitting with these two young guys who were coming to South By, and I was just fascinated with how one of them managed to load his PDF of the South By program onto my computer, you know, <laughs> using Bluetooth. You know, it was it was great because we were stuck on the runway for hours waiting for the uh, captain whose car had broken down in traffic and gotten towed, and and you know, which was not a confidence booster for this particular Delta Airlines flight. But yes, I'm safe and I'm here.
0: And now you're about to dash off because you're going to that nice prelude to South by each year, the Austin Hall of Fame Awards that um, the Austin Film Society puts together. And who's getting honored tonight?
1: Oh God, I think Link- I think Linklater is going to be. <laughs> he's involved. such an
0: also ran that guy.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and there's going to be, but there's you know you 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 basically see the Austin All Stars, you know everybody. The, there's such a Louis vibrant Black. film community here. Louis Black, John Pearson, Janet Pearson, the the um, the folks from uh, Tug, you know the whole uh, you know Terrence Malick might be there for all we know. People seem to think he's some kind of reckless. I've met him. Many times in Austin at various He
0: teaches parties. classes at, at UT, you know, Austin. He's, he's a real dude. He's perfectly
1: affable and achievable, uh, you know, approachable. It's not like he's a recluse. Well, well thanks, Eric. I, I will see you here shortly. I look forward to another uh, uh, crazy festival.
0: Yes, and, and especially on Sunday when we record a, a live one at uh, 1230 in the Austin Convention Center when um, that you know fast-moving creative class can come throw things at us like they usually do.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Bye-bye.